Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football today. The stage is set for rivalry weekend, week number 13 of the college football season. Welcome to College Football Today, brought to you by Beck DSI. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci breaking down all the top 25 action later today. Our cohort. Our confidant, our brother-in-arms, Gabe Morenci, joins us. From where are you, Gabe? Toronto? That's right. I'm right outside uh, Toronto right now, back at the Metalworks uh, Studios for one last uh, session uh, today. We're going to be wrapping up uh, the final vocals in the next uh, couple of hours. And uh, you know what? I'm jacked up. I'm jacked up for the Michigan-Ohio State game, and I'm jacked up to get into the studio and start uh, yelling. So I figure you know, I'm going to have the game on in the studio. It's not ideal timing, uh, but I'm going to have the game on in the studio, and if Michigan are doing well, I'll be in a good mood, <laughs> and uh, therefore I'll be very productive. If Michigan are losing, uh, then I'll be angry, and uh, it'll help contribute to the rage uh, that I need to sing uh, in the band Homicide. So I'm looking at like a win-win situation, but a yeah, massive day of football coming up today. Great time of the year. I would say, Gabe, that it, obviously Rich and I are on Michigan. They have to start fast in that in that environment in Columbus in the Horseshoe. I mean, they, they can't afford to fall behind in this ballgame and put the pressure on Shea Patterson to, to bring them back in that ballgame. Yeah, to me, you know, you don't want to get into a track meet shootout uh, with Ohio State. They're much more comfortable in, in a setting like that. And the higher the score of, the, of this game is, the less chance that Michigan have uh, to win it. You know, ironically enough, you know, you, you look at the total here. The total opened up at about 56, 56 and a half. It's been bet down to 54. And you just get the feeling that it's going to be a smash mouth uh, football game. You know, pretty much the, the Big Ten championship on the line with all due respect to Northwestern and a trip to the, to the playoffs uh, potentially for the Michigan Wolverines uh, as well. So you don't get the feeling, you know, this is in Oklahoma and West Virginia, but it's quite surprising guys. The last five games have actually sailed over the number uh, in this series. It's actually been a higher scoring series over the years, yet Michigan hasn't had a defense like this. The point spread is up to five right now. You can't find a lot of people uh, out there that are taking Ohio State uh, here yet. It's incredibly dangerous, man, to be laying this many points. You know, Urban Meyer has coached 122 home games in his career. So 122 games in his career, he's been on a home uh, sideline. You know how many times he's lost by more than four points? None? Four times. Four. Four. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, but I don't know. What, what's the number of that? Like 0. 0.8 or something? You know what I mean? Like he doesn't lose by more than four points very often. Then you throw in the fact that Michigan haven't won there in 18 years. 
and here we are, and everyone's betting it up. I think the game should be a pick 'em. I don't like the point spread. I know. Can I call this a best bet? No. How can you call this a best bet? Betting against Ohio State at home. And I think Ohio State, as shaky and sort of rocky as they have been, you know, they're going to play better today in a rivalry game. But with all that being stated, you know, you get the feeling that this is this is a different Michigan football team. The Michigan's defense will be the difference here. And I get the feeling that it's going to be a close game. And, you know, like the past couple of years, Michigan have come close, but they've been unable to get it done. I mean, I swear to this day that Barrett didn't pick up the first down uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I swear. Uh, but, but nevertheless, I see this game with Ohio State with the ball and a chance to win late and Michigan's defense coming up. I think it's going to be symbolic that Vinovich and, and company will be the ones. They're going to bat a ball down. They're going to cause a fumble. They're going to do something late in this football game to preserve a close Michigan Wolverine victory. Now, it's, uh, you know, this is one of these games where, for, you know, when you're betting on it, and I'm a Michigan fan, but sometimes you just have to enjoy the game. And listen, I'm going to be betting on it, but I, I'm telling you guys right now, I do think Michigan are going to win this game. But for betting purposes, you know, Urban Meyer is not an underdog a lot. Michigan haven't won there in 18 years. So just winning the game is going to be a task, let alone to cover the number. Wouldn't shock me if they won by six. You know, five's a crooked number, guys, and it's been bet up right now. It's just a strange number. I don't, I don't care what game it is, whether it's the NBA, college basketball, NFL. Everyone always, real gamblers always hate that number five. It's just, it means that the book doesn't really know what to do with it. You know, they're baiting you right now to take the underdog. So I think Michigan squeeze it out, put it in money line parlays. And as far as the total is concerned, I know it's gone over five straight times, but I think it's staying under the number. Brother Gabe, it's uh, Rich. It's good to have you back. Good stuff, Rich. I'll see you. I'll uh, see you in a couple of days. Or I'll see you next week. Look forward. I'll be locked in through the month of uh, December. No more trips for me after this. Good, good. We'll have you for the entirety of bowl season, and maybe, maybe next week we might even talk a little bit of uh, FCS playoffs. How about that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've, uh, I've bet on that before. Yeah, no, we, we, we might be uh, we might be helping betters uh, next weekend. I took a look at your list of best bets. You and I agree on two. I'm going to tell you what they are, and you tell me. I know why I like them. You tell me why you like them. Uh, Georgia Tech, getting the points from Georgia. And BYU, I love. Way too many points in a rivalry game, the Holy War versus Utah. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I don't love the card today. It's a tricky card. It's a tricky day. It's a tricky week. We're seeing weird things happen in sports over the last week and a half, two weeks or so. But, you know, there's a couple of spots that I wanted to throw on the board here. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm getting cold feet uh, with my Syracuse pick, and we'll run through all the picks. But I'll tell you what, Rich, this BYU game, I'm starting to like it more and more. And I like the two late-night games, and I'm calling it the Mormon special, actually. It's my Mormon uh, It's my, uh, my Mormon two-shot here tonight with BYU and Utah State. But we'll start off with BYU here. As you stated, this is just far too many points uh, to be laying in this in this in a rivalry game. They don't call it the Holy War uh, for nothing. Uh, you know, BYU and, and Utah play close football games. You're getting double digits in here. And I love the fact that we bet, we, you know, we've been betting against Northern Illinois for a couple of weeks uh, right now. We've seen, uh, we've seen this with Utah. Uh, teams that lock up 
their division, uh, you know, in their side of the conference and are going to the championship game become distracted. And, you know, they, it's hard for them to focus and, and be in a, in a, in a situation where they're not thinking about the championship game. You know, it's just human nature. If things start to go poorly and guys start to get injured and I'm going to listen, you can argue that the Holy war is more important uh, than, than the Pac-12 championship, but as big as rivalry games are, Utah still have in the back of their mind. We're playing a massive game next uh, next week. This is the bowl game for BYU. Forget about bowl eligibility. They have it. But this is their season. This is their national championship game. They like nothing better than to knock off uh, the Utah Utes here this evening. Uh, poor weather expected uh, tonight in Utah as well, which is kind of an equalizer, produces closer football games. I think we have a close football game here tonight in, in the Holy War. Yeah, I sort of like that game, too. I mean, it's a best bet on the sheet. Not one of my better ones today, but we'll see how that game plays out. I'm just not sold on Jason Shelley at the quarterback position either. So we'll see if uh, BYU's up to par in that matchup. Let's stick in a couple of under-the-radar games, Purdue and Indiana. I like Indiana in that matchup. They impressed me the way they played against Michigan. They played very well last year and should have won that game. Didn't against Purdue. They went bowling. Both teams fighting in this matchup. But give me the points with the home underdog in that battle. Yeah, this is one that caught my eye as well, uh, Joe. What a fun football game. Uh, What are they playing for? The bucket? Yeah. Uh, the the Oaken bucket, bucket, I believe it is. Old Oaken Bucket. Yeah, the Oaken Bucket. Yeah. Yeah, well, a bucket, uh, you're going to put a bowl bit in this bucket this year. Yeah. <laughs> so it adds just a little bit of more, little bit of more flavor uh, to this football game. You know, you are what your record says you are. And yet, I think Indiana has deserved better. There's a couple of teams in the Big Ten that have deserved better this year, and I think that's the Maryland Terrapins in more ways than one. Uh, but the Terps and, and Indiana, and you called it, Joe, you know, Indiana played with Michigan last week. Indiana played with Penn State. Indiana's been in football games with good teams. You look at Indiana's schedule, and they really couldn't have had a tougher Big Ten slate. You know, it seems like some teams in the Big Ten just sort of dodge uh, some of the, the tougher games, uh, you know, due to the schedule on a yearly basis. Uh, but, you know, not this year with Indiana. They've been in tough and they've really battled. What I think the difference is going to be in this football game is, uh, Joe and Rich, is, is, is the takeaways. Indiana are one of the best teams in the country at creating turnovers. And I don't think it's a, it's by, you know, you could see some people say turnovers are an anomaly, but I think it's by design. They're just, you know, they understand that they need to create turnovers to be in football games. And they've done a nice job of doing it. I believe they've, had, they've created a turnover in 17 straight football games. Uh, they're 13th in the country in takeaways. And on their home field today, in a football game that I think it's going to be razor thin and close, man. I think it's going to come down to the wire. Getting three and a half. Now, some spots have it at three right now. But I think a takeaway will be the difference in this football game. And I just think Indiana can get a stop. And I, I, you know, I like the home field. I like what I like the coaching staff of Indiana. I think they're a uh, I think they're a pretty good football team that will be able to get this done on their home field today. You know, and if they don't, you know, they lose they lose by a field goal or less. I think I think we're comfortable getting a push. Uh, if you can get that three and a half, even better. But you, I, I, I like the home dog here. Indiana been a very good home dog too. They're a good home team, Indiana. You know, one road dog I I I, I think is an interesting matchup and in, in one of the under the radar games of the week. 
is Boise State, Utah State, with a yeah. division title on the line. You got a 10-win team versus a 9-win team. Love the battle of Jordan Love uh, versus Brett Rippon uh, at Boise State. Uh, you like Utah State. A little surprised by that on the road as as an underdog. What say you, Gabe? Well, you know what? The, the blue turf and uh, isn't as daunting as it used to be. I think that Boise State's numbers are often set on reputation uh, more than reality. And you know, I'm not a full disclosure. I, I was somebody that was very, very high on Boise State coming into the year. I thought Boise State potentially could run the table. You know, I thought you know they could knock off Old State um, up there in Stillwater and do something special and get into a big time bowl game this year. Now they've still had a nice year and they're a good football team. And you know, I think this is one of the better uh, Boise teams over the last couple of years. For betting purposes, guys, they were money burners at home. Uh, you know, they they were not uh, good home favorites. Um, uh, as when, when they were laying points. Now, this is only a couple of points here. Now, I've watched uh, Boise State play a lot this year. You know, they're on late night, Saturday nights for the most part. You know, they're just they're a team I see a lot of their games of. And even though, you know, even though they've, they've won the, the nine games that they've won this year, it hasn't been easy for them. And, you know, you look at, you know, I just think Utah State are a better football team, and I don't think they're intimidated uh, by the home field. You look at Boise State guys, and in the conference they play in, they play against a lot of teams that are from warm weather locations, you know, over the years. So, you know, oh, they have a big game against Fresno. Yeah, Fresno are playing in, in like, blistering cold conditions all the time up there. It's not their element. Um, you know, the Nevada Wolfpack. We can go down the list. Basically, it's the Mountain West. Like, who, you know, there's not too many teams that are good that play in cold weather, you know, cities or locations. And it's a big advantage for Boise State. Teams are always cold when they go there. They look cold. Um, that won't be the case with Utah State. We have an explosive offense. Geographically, they're not intimidated by the weather. They live in this stuff. I think Utah State are every bit as good of a football team as Boise Boise State. I just think Boise State are a uh, more famous uh, football team. Give me, give me Utah State here. I think Utah State puts the ball on what, what has been a great, uh, great year for them this year. Gabe, I feel like this has been one of the most anticlimactic college football seasons that we've seen in in years past. I feel like Joe Public is cleaning up because I mean chalk has been covering in all the major battles, and you know it, it's sort of anticlimactic. You want to see upsets, and one team that we thought would strike an upset over Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago was Syracuse. They couldn't get it done. Now they're catching six and a half against a Boston College team that laid an egg last week in Tallahassee and lost that game in the last minute. How do you see that game playing out? Well, what's the deal? So do we have a uh, final status with the quarterback situation with the Cuse? You know, I'm getting, this is, this is the, this is the game. I'm getting a little bit of cold feet, but you know, Joe, I think it might be a little bit of an overreaction uh, right now. I mean, AJ Dillon's back and he's been pounding the rock and he's got like 77 carries over the last couple of games, uh, but he's not breaking big ones. I think he's beat up and a little bit worn out. There's two ways to look at this. Will Syracuse wilt and sort of, you know, is it a big letdown after last week? I don't really think so, to be honest with you. You know, as far as road trips are concerned, whatever, man. They go back to they go back to uh, to Western New York from New York City. So it's not like they've been flying around the country and they get worn. I think that's sort of like that game back. And I think Notre Dame was just that good, Joe. And you called it. It's sort of anticlimactic in the sense that we're, we're in this era in sports right now 
where you know the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs were in the finals every year. People were sort of getting bored uh, with it. You know, we've seen Alabama and Clemson uh, basically every year in the finals now in the championship for a couple of years. And there's such a discrepancy between these top teams. I mean, there really is Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and everyone else. I guess, you know, we'll find out if Michigan uh, deserves to be uh, you know, in that conversation with this group in a couple hours uh, today. But I don't think Syracuse are that bad. I think Notre Dame are that good. I, I think that's what happened. I just think Syracuse, you know, ran into a juggernaut and a buzzsaw that is a Notre Dame fighting Irish, and I think they're they're going to be fighting someone in their own weight class today, guys, against Boston College. You know, I get it; it's a tough spot. I get it. Uh, Syracuse are a little banged up, but getting a full touchdown in a, in a rivalry game like this, you know, it's it's a little high here. I'm gonna I'm rolling the dice. You know, it's 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 a tough game to bet on. I'm not putting a ton of money on it, but I do. I lean with the Syracuse here plus the. I don't think they get blown out. Brother, great insight and uh, analysis as always. We wish you safe travels, and we'll see you on Championship Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait next week, Championship And just quickly, I don't want to get out of here, but like you said, can Auburn hang around today? I want to say yes. I think they can backdoor this, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in them. But I'm sort of, you know, leaning with Auburn and that Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech have beaten Georgia between the hedges the last two times they've been yep. there. Yep. That, game, that game's going to be close, too, I think. Closer than people expect. Let's Georgia hope. wins by 10, not 15. Let's hope. Uh, we're with them. Yeah. So, no, I agree. Uh, we're all on we're the all game. On Georgia so Tech. We wish you the best, brother. Safe travels. We'll talk to you next week. I mean, it's been very interesting. Hey, always a pleasure. Love hearing that he's cutting the record. I'll probably not be in it, but you guys are hanging out. You're having meatballs, whatever you guys breaking bread Thursday, together. Thursday, he invited you to so, uh, FanDuel. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Keep it where it is. When we come back, we'll be talking Alabama, Auburn. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Fly. Like a butterfly. Fly. Like a butterfly. Back on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI, Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci breaking down all today's action. Gabe had some great insight and information, great picks. We'll see how they pan out. At 12 o'clock, we're on them with Michigan. So, yeah. uh, I mean, that line's up to five now, which is pretty yeah. intriguing. And I disagree. I think the public's on Ohio State because they're underdogs for the first time really? in 52 weeks. I mean, I know it's uh, everybody in Vegas is, t- you know, really? this is the play. You got to take Urban. That surprises you gotta take me Urban. because of how Ohio State played against Maryland. Yeah, I mean, they, they almost lost. Ohio, they needed overtime like, against Maryland. Like if, look at Alabama and Citadel. I mean, it could happen to everybody. Yeah. I look at Clemson and Syracuse. I mean, it happened. Every, each and every week, it's still. Ohio it's happened State. often for Ohio State. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't one time. I that, agree that's with the you. issue. I think it's a. It's not a quick fix. 
to stop a run, rushing attack, it's not a one-week fix. Yeah. You don't just plug guys in, and all of a sudden you have a dominant defensive front. So that's the matchup to see. Uh, the takeaway from Gabe for me is I – Traditionally, since we've been together, when all three of us like the same team, it tends to do well. All three of us have good. have Georgia Tech as a best bet. A Gabe Gabe well, we had also, Georgia Tech uh, as well. Uh, we don't have Michigan as a best bet. We have Georgia. Uh, no, Tech. No, I don't right. have Michigan as a me best neither. bet. I, I don't feel, you know, Ohio State getting points at home scares me. I, I like Michigan, like them, but yeah. yeah, I like them, but not at that I level. Hope Gabe Georgia is Tech, and again, I mean, for for when we put our picks yeah. in, it was seventeen and a half. It's come down for a reason. Because we're all on them. That's why. That's what I because we we move lines. We do. I hope, Gabe, if you're listening, I hope you're not wearing the Michigan jersey. Please take it off now, so that way Michigan can roll in the in the horseshoe a little bit later. Only take it off if he has an undershirt underneath it. Yes, we don't. We don't want. Don't want to see bare chested. Let's talk. Let's talk about that Iron Bowl because it's an intriguing battle. Because Auburn did pick up this victory last year, twenty-six to fourteen. I mean, uh, prior to that, Alabama did win three straight over the Tigers by 15 points per game. You're talking about an Auburn team that did rush for 340 yards against Liberty last week. On the flip side, you had an Alabama defense that allowed 275. Yes, 275 to the Citadel. This is still an Alabama defense that has given up around 119 rushing yards per game. But by no stretch is this the number one rushing defense in college football like it was over the last couple of years. Yeah, but I mean, if this was Auburn 2016 or 17, it would be cause for concern. Auburn's not running yeah. the football. Uh, I, you know, it's a combination of poor O-line play, and they don't have that that carry on Johnson, Trey Mason type electrifying back. Just doesn't exist this year. They don't they don't have that kind of a player in the backfield. And that inability to run the ball is killing Gus Malzahn's offense now. You know, for for our purposes, I took Auburn, but I, I'm I'm feeling you know, and I'm not. I, I like being fluid in this process. You learn more information. You talk to more people. I have Auburn down, but I, I don't feel comfortable, and I really am getting cold feet with this because the more I evaluate, I, I think Alabama could just smoke this Auburn team. Auburn's going to struggle to score. The question then becomes, can there be a backdoor cover for Auburn? Alabama's won every game by at least 20 points. This line is, what, 24, 24 and a half? And a half. Well, probably you know, 25. It's going to require a backdoor or it's going to require the Auburn defense shutting down the Alabama offense. Now, the strength of Auburn is the defensive team, uh, defensive unit, especially the front seven. They could potentially slow down the Alabama running game, but I, I think Tua starts to pick them apart. Alabama pulls away in the second half. If you're taking Auburn, you're going to sweat it out. I, I just don't think this is going to be an easy game for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, in order for Auburn to be successful, you mentioned they're going to need to run the football. They're only averaging 164 yards per game. Defensively, though, I think they can create enough plays. They're plus eight in turnover margin. You have 34 total sacks, and they're only allowing 142 rushing yards per game. This is a game that Gus Malzahn is playing with house money. I mean, his team isn't going anywhere. This is the game where you fake a punt. This is a game where you throw a reverse. You kick an onside kick. You have to take every opportunity to knock off your in-state rival. I mean, there's nothing to lose. Don't play straight up I in this I disagree, Joe. I, I think someone like an A&M earlier in the year and Jimbo Fisher, that was house money because the expectations were so low. I think Auburn is not playing with house money because of the intensity of this rivalry. I, I don't think he can afford. Now, the, the word is that Gus is not going to be fired. There's an enormous buyout. But can this coach, considering how bad this season has gone, can he get 
annihilated by Alabama? I mean, I think that would be really bad for his future. Even if he heads into 2019, the pressure would be immense. He has to compete in this game. No one expects him to pull the upset. But if this is a, you know, 45 to 7, that's the kind of loss that stays with a coach for a very long time. Yeah, great point. But that's the reason why I think you have to roll the dice. Because what are you going to do? You're going to run and try and shorten the game, not get first downs, give the ball back over to Tua. He's going to go over the top. You're going to be down 14 nothing. You're going to run three and out. Now you're down 21 nothing. Then you'll open it up. I think you have to be aggressive early, put the ball into Stidham's hands. Now, granted, I think he's a terrible fit for the offense. I thought that when he came from Baylor. You know, he was a system guy. He was a guy that got the football out in three seconds with a five-wide type of offense. That's not what they had with Nick Marshall there, and that's why they struggled. Now, they they had John Franklin there that didn't pan out at the quarterback position. They moved him to wide receiver, transferred to FAU. Since that time, though, Rich, this is an offense that can't convert on third down. Unless they can run the football consistently, they shorten the chains, and then they have short third down opportunities. They don't have an elite wide receiver outside of Ryan Davis, and he's marginal at best. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a tough spot yeah. for, for Auburn. I, I think if you're going to pin your hopes on a competitive game after halftime, it has to come from Derrick Brown, Dontavious Russell, that defensive line. They have to dominate the Alabama offensive line at the point of attack. Forced to it, too. He is prone sometimes to throw it up. He's only got a couple of picks yeah. this year. Is but he, he healthy, too, could be a concern. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be. I, honestly, right. I don't think he's going to be 100%, Joe, until until the offseason. Right. I think there's something there that he's been playing through. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts still recovering as well. So, you know, I don't think the offense is going to get it done. And Alabama has shown over the past couple of weeks that when they have to flex their muscles defensively, you still have an Isaiah Bugs and a right. Quinnen Williams and a Raquan Davis and Mac Wilson, they have still a ton of talent defensively. So, you know, and and the Citadel situation last week, I think, was perfect for Nick Saban. Yeah, it was. Nick actually looked comfortable and calm at halftime of a 10-10 game with an FCS opponent because I think he revels in that. This now gives him a talking point, a narrative for his kids in the locker room to say, listen, you are vulnerable. You're unbeatable. That was perfect for him. I think he takes out some fury on Auburn this weekend, and and it could potentially not be pretty. So, you know, I I'm hedging at this point. I just I just don't love Auburn. Maybe a backdoor cover. Yeah, I have Auburn. I mean, you talk about those weapons. Josh Jacobs has stopped, stepped up. Najee Harris, Damian Harris, Judy, the receivers. Ruggs. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Alabama has had the. The Amari Coopers, yeah. you know, they, they have had the the singular star at wide receiver. They have never had yeah. this level of depth on the outside, which is also contributing to the passing. Yeah, game. well, I mean, we'll see how that game plays out. It's 3.30. It's on CBS. Rich likes Alabama. I'll take the 24 and a half, 25 with Auburn in that matchup. Talking about a critical battle within the state of Florida. It's Dan Mullen and the crew on the road in Tallahassee to face Florida State and Willie Taggart that got a lucky, I want to say a lucky win over Boston College. They got a late touchdown pass by DeAndre Francois, threw it over the top to really cripple Boston College in that ballgame. But this is still a Florida State team that has won five straight over the Gators by 18.8 points per game, dominated this matchup last year in Gainesville. But this is an anemic, one-dimensional Florida State offense, Rich, that's still only averaging 
86 rushing yards per game. If they can't get a rushing attack today, they're going to put DeAndre, DeAndre Francois into long third down situations. That Gator defensive front's going to pin their ears back. I yeah. think it's going to be a long day. That's the matchup that would concern me most yeah. from, from the Florida State perspective, Joe. And the reason why I like the Gators in this game to snap the losing streak against Florida State is... You know, that offensive line, we've harped on it week after week because they've been that bad. And and so a Cam Akers, a Francois, James Blackman when he's in there, uh, Jacques Patrick, those guys can't play to their potential because they're getting no support from the offensive line. And now here comes the front seven of Florida. I talked about it in an earlier segment. Ja'Kai Polite, Jabari Zuniga, those are big, physical, fast presences off the edge. I think that's a major problem for Francois or Blackman, whoever takes snaps uh, for Florida State. So I like Florida in this game. I like Dan Mullen to finish his first regular season 9-3, and three, which would put him ahead of schedule. A couple of things to keep in mind. The Gators have covered every game on the road this season. Florida State, as a home dog, 1-5 in its last six games. So they have not been playing great in Tallahassee. I like Florida as one of my best bets of the day. Yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, the one thing when you look at Florida State overall, they can't run the football, but more importantly, that offensive line now going up in long third down situations. And defensively, they've allowed more rushing yards in back-to-back weeks now. They That was the strength of their defense in the middle part of the season, giving up around 101 rushing yards per game. But when your offense can't convert third down situations, they're out on the field for longer periods of time. And now they've allowed 137 rushing yards per game. I look for Scarlett. I look for, more importantly, Pirine to be a factor in this ballgame. He's a more downhill runner between the A and B gaps, uh, north and south. And that's what I look for, a steady dose of that. And look for Lipe Franks to be an a, a set on the perimeter in that ballgame. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the backs, Joe, because that's the one thing. If there's anything we can count on offensively from Florida this year, it is the running game and those backs. They have good depth. They have good physicality between the tackles. I'm not a Felipe Franks guy. I don't think you are either. Just too inconsistent. I I think that's something that Dan has to address in the offseason. It's either developing a young quarterback like Kyle Trask or going out and getting graduate transfer getting a Juco transfer. Felipe Franks, I think we've seen what he is. Kind of like when Gabe says, you know, your record tells you what you are. The stats in the film of Felipe Franks tell me that he's he is a marginal college quarterback at this point. And, you know, one quick thing about Florida State, one of the five and six teams need to win this game to get to a bowl game, right? They have a long streak in terms of the postseason that would be broken, I don't know if we're going to have enough six and six teams. I mean, I think at some point the That's college where we're at now. It is, but the college system. When you look at a USC in five and six, yeah. need the upset in order to get to a bowl game. Five and six, Florida State need the win to get to a bowl game. Some of these five and six teams: Tennessee, Vandy, one of them's out. Texas Tech, Baylor, one of them's out. Purdue, Iowa, one of them's out. So it'll be interesting to watch this weekend if we get to a, Virginia Tech was almost out. Another long streak. They should have been out. They should I have mean, been out. Unbelievable. I mean, UVA just fall on the I fumble know. in the end zone. I, know. I mean, it that wasn't was just even so the fumble. I thought he was a little. He wasn't aggressive enough when they got the football back up twenty eight twenty four. It's a team you haven't beaten in fourteen straight yeah. weeks. He ran Bryce Perkins three straight times. Then Vatek got the football back. 
Then they got the turnover, and then he still ran Bryce Perkins. That's where you got to put the dagger in the heart. You got to you got to close the door if you're Virginia, and they didn't do it. Here's another uh, critical factor about Willie Taggart and that crew. They have 27 total sacks on the on the year. They got two of them last week against uh, Boston College. Prior to that, in three straight games, no sacks. If you can't get pressure on Felipe Franks, you're not going to win this ball game. And again. I'm just not so. What Florida State team are you getting? You know, I, I, I know it's a rivalry game. I get it. They haven't been, you know, out of a bowl in 30 years. But I watched that team crumble in, in back-to-back games against Virginia Tech. I saw them crumble against Notre Dame. Who's to say it doesn't happen if, if Florida jumps up early in this well, ball And the one thing I'll say, too, is, again, this is playing crack psychologist yeah. when we talk about five and six teams. I, I think Florida State would like to bowl. I know Willie would no, love to he bowl. Love he to needs bowl, to bowl. Of course. But but when you talk about like a like a Cam Akers, a Brian Burns, do they care? Uh, I don't know if they do. That's my point. Like in other words, at this point, when you expected so much, when you're a Florida State, you have that pedigree, you have those blue chippers. You you're Florida State. You walk around the building, you see national championship yeah. trophies, conference championship trophies. You have a slew of players in the NFL. When you're five and six. The rivalry helps. The fact that it's the Gators helps. But in terms of getting that sixth win, I think it means so much more to Tennessee at this point than it does Florida State. That's a great point. So we'll see. I mean, that's the one thing I've seen in recent weeks is kids quitting. I'm sorry. I've seen it. I saw it in UCF, USF. Another game. I know Blake Barnett didn't play, but the wind was out of USF sales before it even started. They cut it to 17 to 10. They couldn't even get a stop on defense. Charlie Strong looked unenthused as a coach. And, And granted, you're right. I was wrong on Charlie Strong. He stinks. He's horrible. No halftime adjustments. He outcoached himself in that ball game against uh, Josh Heupel and the crew. Turn our attention to this matchup in the Big Ten. It's Penn State and Duffel Bag Boy, who is all over Maryland this year. He's not on him this week uh, against the Terps, who pushed Ohio State to the limit, fifty-two to fifty-one. This is a team in Maryland that lost this matchup last year, sixty-six to three. They're six and five against the spread this year, but one in three against the spread on the road I'm sorry too much Trace McSorley this is a dominant dominant team at home they had two losses to Ohio State and Michigan State but give me the small number I think Penn State rolls to a big victory over Maryland in this matchup yeah, I'm with you I, and you mentioned the key name for me I, I think this will be the Trace McSorley yeah, love affair be. I mean you know loved in Happy Valley Won, I think, 30 games as the starter at Penn State throughout his brilliant career. He's one of those players that really has become a fan favorite yeah. at Penn State. Uh, one of the better quarterbacks that we've seen in next a very level long guy time. Too. He's oh, next oh, I totally agree. Next I, level. Think, I, think, I think we're getting to a point now where the shorter quarterback is not something that people are frightened by. Thank Russell Wilson yeah. for a lot of that. Thank Drew Brees going back to the Purdue days and obviously with the Saints. But but if you could sling it, if you could sling it and you could move around in the pocket, find your throwing lanes, even if you're that six-foot guy lacking the ideal height. Now, uh, Baker Mayfield, another example, top overall pick, and, right. and the height was not an issue for him. Trace McSorley is going to be an NFL starter, in my opinion, maybe like a second or third round draft choice. Today, I think it's the the Trace show. I, I think they beat up Maryland. The one name for the Terps, though, Anthony McFarlane, I, yeah. I talked about back-to-back 200-yard games. So whoever takes over that Maryland job, much like Les Miles at Kansas, Les inherits Puka Williams, whoever takes over at Maryland 
is going to get a really good young running back in Anthony McFarlane. Yeah, now Penn State has won three straight in this series by 29.3 points per game. And I agree with you about Trace McSorley. He has that it factor. The one thing why I don't like Maryland is if they fall behind in this matchup, they're still only averaging 137 passing yards per game. I'm sorry. I know they did it against Ohio State. I don't think they do it this week against a gunslinger in McSorley at home in, in this ball game. And he's had two coordinators now. So that's why I think he'll progress to the next level. And more importantly, he has that chip on his shoulder. Yeah, and, and the, the one name for a comparative uh, standpoint I was going to say was Matt McGloin has been an NFL quarterback. Matt McGloin has started NFL he's, games. Yeah, Trace McSorley, to me, is a considerably, a considerably better quarterback. If we're, if we're talking Penn State quarterback, Christian Hackenberg has started games. Let's not forget yes. that. Christian, how, much, uh, how much better is Trace? Light than, years. Yeah. He's light years ahead of Christian Hackenberg in, in any day of the week in high school, college, uh, and the NFL next year. When we come back, we'll break down the other games. Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello and Gabe Morenci live from Studio 34. Keep it where it is. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. We are back on college football today. Just uh, about 15 minutes from the start of the 12 o'clock games, headlined by Michigan, Ohio State. Folks, BetDSI is celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payment of winnings. You can play virtually every sport at BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live in-game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game. BetDSI runs sign-up and deposit promotions year-round. And for a limited time only, use the promo code FNTSY and BetDSI will offer up up to a $2,500 bonus on your first deposit. So use promo code FNTSY and try BetDSI.com. That's BetDSI.com, promo code FNTSY. Head on over and start winning today. Joe, uh, for 12 o'clock winners, I want to throw out a few games before we... uh, Hit kickoff for anyone looking to bet some of the early games. Some of the ones we haven't really delved into. I like Florida International against Marshall. It has Conference USA uh, division implications. I like the defense of FIU. like what Butch Davis has done. That should be an interesting matchup. Yeah, that line opened up as a Marshall as a one-and-a-half point dog. It's up now. Marshall's a three-point favorite in that matchup. Wow. I like Doc Holliday. I like Marshall. I think Butch Davis has done a fantastic job, but I'll, I'll lean to the thundering herd in that ballgame. Another game that I'm looking at, uh, at 12 o'clock, I like Wake Forest. Oh, I do, too. You That's know, where I, I was like, going I like next. New, I like Newman. I like the way they're playing. This is a team that hasn't quit under Clawson. They have some playmakers like Dorch. They oh, have Colburn. 
I mean, they're catching a big. It's down to around like ten and a half, eleven. But yeah, I still for good reason. As long as it's over ten, I like I like waking that match. Listen to this in terms of the spot in this particular case. Duke as a home favorite, zero and nine in its last nine yeah. games against the spread, and Wake Forest as a road dog. 11 and 4 against the spread in their last 15 games. Bit of a rivalry factor. I like what's happened with the Wake Forest offense. They'll struggle defensively against Daniel Jones, no question about it. But I think this could be a high scoring affair. If you're going to give me double digits in this game, give me Wake Forest. Again, Duke, last nine games as a home favorite. 0-9 0-9 against the spread. I think they get to 0-10 today. Yeah, and I'll give one more. Yeah. I mean, Duke, uh, Wake is, is fighting to become bowl eligible at 5-6 and six overall, and Duke is coming off of that dominating road loss to Clemson. So did they get beat up in that matchup? And not much to gain for Duke. You're what, 7-4 yeah. and four at this point? Of course you want to get to 8-4, yeah. and four, but in terms of your postseason, 7-5 and five versus 8-4 and four is not going to change your destination that yeah. much. Here's two intriguing games. I mean, Iowa State, K-State, I know everybody's leaning K-State, but I think yeah. I Iowa State after that loss to Texas. This is this is a team. They lost this ball game last year to Bill Snyder. Matt Campbell won't let that happen. He has the better team, and that's why they're laying fourteen in this ball game. That's I too like many I, points. I, I love, like I love Kansas State in this yeah, game. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Iowa State has the type of personnel to completely dismantle. Kansas State. A couple of things to keep in mind. K-State needs this for the postseason. You know, we don't know what Bill Snyder's situation is. Is there a locker room talk? Guys, give me one more game before they embalm me at this point. (laughs) I I don't know what's going on in the the K-State locker room. There might be be the embalming speech that's taking place for for Bill Snyder. You were all on Bill Snyder. Keep keep this in mind. K-State has won 10 straight in the series. Right. And the last four games decided by five points or less. Yes. It's, it's been it's been a very close series. So I think fourteen right. is asking a lot, especially since Iowa State's big game was last week. I think this is a bit of a letdown yeah. for the Cyclones. I mean, take the points in K State. Yeah, I, I, I go for Purdy. I go for Hakeem Butler. I go for David Montgomery that was out last week. I First think that's half, a, yeah. I think that's the difference. And the and the weakness of K State is in the secondary. They're giving up well over two hundred yards per game, and they don't have the type of offense to go score for score with <laughs> with. Brock Purdy in that matchup. Here's one that I'm a little tricked on. It's Colorado catching a big number, looking to become bowl eligible. Yeah. McIntyre on the way out against a team in Cal like didn't play last week. Extra week of preparation for them. Yeah. Ca- Colorado struggled against Utah with a backup quarterback. I know it's snowed, but you're at home. You get blown out by Utah? Come on, when you're fighting to become bowl eligible. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If you're if you're buying into the program and you say the kids are fighting, they they got to show a better effort than they did last week. So why do you think they're going to step up on the road in Cal in this match? Well, and, and I I wonder if if Mike McIntyre's future is contingent on this outcome. I, I wonder if it's been decided. Uh, yeah, there've been a lot of hot rumors that Mike McIntyre, a coach that took Colorado to the Pac-12 title game just two years ago, kind of like what we were talking about yeah. earlier, the quick triggers in college football. I like Mac as a head coach. I do too. I, I, you know, listen, he struggled. Six game losing streak. You, you know, there's no way around it. But you have to realize who you are sometimes. You're Colorado. You're not a team that has a tremendous amount of money. You don't have a lot of recruiting swagger when it comes to the rest of the Pac 12. And again, he won the division. He won the South just two years ago and played in a Pac 12 title game. Nonetheless, 
If they lose, I think he's almost certainly yeah. out. Can he win and survive and get to a bowl game? Now, the problem that I have is that offense just hasn't been the same. We saw it scoring seven points against Utah. LaVisca Chenault has not been 100%. Steven Montez, who I like very much, just has gone sideways. And now they go up against Cal. I'm glad you brought up the bye week. I'll bring it up in the Stanford game as well. That's a really good time of the year to get a bye yeah, because these late. kids are beaten up physically, emotionally, to get that week off, albeit for bad reasons because of wildfires in California. Uh, Cal's a team, and Justin Wilcox, that has really impressed me this year. I I think they could lay it to Colorado. The cover is going to come down to whether or not the offense shows anything because that's been the shortcoming for the Bears this year. Yeah, the one thing in order for Colorado to get this cover, they're going to need to run the football with uh, uh, Travion Williams, uh, Trayon Williams, excuse me, uh, Travion McMillan, excuse me, uh, in that matchup. They've been an inconsistent offense. But again, now you're going on the road. If you can't step up at home when your coach is out the door, I mean, if you like the coach, you're going to give a better effort. It was lackluster. They committed turnovers in that ball game. With a backup quarterback, I'll go back again. And to go back to McIntyre as well, I agree with you. I think he's the right guy for the job because let's be honest, two years ago you had three defensive backs that were taken in the NFL draft. He coached up that talent. You knew what you had there. It takes a while to rebuild. And look at USC. Now, I'm not suggesting that Colorado's USC with that type of talent or resources. But still, I mean, if he gets them to six and six, somehow, some way, you don't think he should keep his job in that? I do. I do. I mean, I I, I know administrations have higher expectations, and they should. And fan bases and and alums. Everybody wants to be Alabama and and Clemson in one year. But you're Colorado. I mean, you have to be realistic. I mean, you play at a small stadium. We both love Folsom Field, so I'm not knocking Folsom, but it's a small stadium. It's a program that is not adequately funded. And again, you have to get the second-tier players from the state of California. You're not getting the first-tier players that are winding up at USC and now UCLA, and, and sometimes they go north to Oregon and Washington. So I, I think it'll be a mistake. I, I, If they do fire Mac, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jim Levitt. That would be a great hire. I mean, Jim Levitt took USF, you know, prior to Skip Holtz, you know, to a number two ranking before they lost to Rutgers with Mac Rothy at the quarterback position. He understands how to build programs. So uh, that would be a fantastic hire yeah. if they got him. We'll see what transpires. I mean, again, that's asking a lot out of the bus when you couldn't get that victory against Utah last week. So, I mean, Cal's a team that's streaking right now. I think they're the better team. Watch and I out think for not- Justin Wilcox, too. I very well respected in coaching higher, circles like another- in terms of hire. I it, it's a thought. Now listen, USC has had him on staff before. The USC administration knows Justin Wilcox. I think they consider him to be a riser in the industry, great defensive mind. He's proven that all over the country, even places like Wisconsin. So Wilcox, maybe maybe it's too early. Maybe he needs to do more at Cal. It's a very good season he's yeah. having. So with a win today, they get to seven and four. They got the big game next week against Stanford. The potential to be eight and four at Cal when the what do you have any idea what the under over was? It had to be like four and a half maybe for the season. Oh, for the season, it, it, yeah. No, it was higher. It, it was higher. It was, was in it? the five and a half, six. They okay. Were, they, they returned a lot of talent, and the, and because of how they played against that was the factored teams, in. They were yeah. in there the four and a half, five. They were right there. They're right on their number. I, I, think. I wouldn't I be surprised check. though if if Wilcox is considered a candidate for that USC job in the event that there's an. Well, opening. here's a, something that I heard late last night for Texas Tech. Uh, Kingsbury out, possibly Venables in. 
And I was like, Venables. Oh, it's not, it's not bad. It's it's not bad, but you would he the, take the, that? Would the, he take Texas Tech? I don't know. It depends how badly he wants a head coaching job right now. That's the, the problem with the Big 12. A lot. It's asking If a you're lot. a defensive coach and you're going to the Big 12, it's almost as if you have to change your entire philosophy of how to run a program because – yeah, you have to be the high-powered, high-octane. We saw it in Morgantown last night, right? West Virginia scores 56 and loses. That's the Big 12 for you. That, that, that's what the Big 12 that's has every, become. That's so every game. That's where we want to go. You have two football. philosophies for the Big 12. This is what it comes down to. You either are going to join the crowd, open up your offense, go, you know, listen, we're going to slug it out week after week, or, and I would encourage Les Miles to consider this, go all-out triple option. Be the different team in the Big 12. Slow them down. Frustrate the hell out of them. Give them something different to look at. Look at what Army did against Oklahoma this year. Great point. Great point. But that's what Bill Snyder's tried to do. His is no, you're to, right. You're he's right. Tried to but, do but, it, but by it, and large, though, Joe, he has had more success than a Kansas State yes. team should have. Yes. So in in the, now this year, it's not working. They're five and six, but over. Over the long haul, it's kind of worked out for Snyder, you know? Yeah, but when you, in terms of elite athletes, you know they don't want offensive guys, don't want to go to Georgia Tech and Atlanta right. if they're not catching 70 passes. They can't be like Odell Beckham. They don't want to wear the flashy uniform. We're, we're going away from the blue-collar, tough mentality, and we're going more into a seven-on-seven seven schematic that they play in Texas football. It's just the way it is. I don't like I, it. I hate it. But I don't like it because you know, because you're almost neutralizing one entire. There's no linebacker phase play. of football. There's no linebacker, and, play. and I'm not saying I want to you know three yards in a cloud of dust. But to me, a great football game is where you have contributions from the offense and the defense. The defense that we watched last night with Oklahoma and West Virginia. Now I love Will Greer, love Kyler Murray, and all those weapons. David Sills, great players, but to some extent, they're not even getting challenged in the open field. It's absurd. Part of it's the rules, and yeah. part of it is the fan mentality. That we look at that Monday night game against Kansas City and, and the Rams. Hundred thousand fans, best NFL game we've seen in years. We've we've been watching in the Big Twelve for six years now, seven years since the transition, since Gundy got there, since uh, Lincoln Riley became offensive coordinator a couple of years ago. This is the way of college football. And look that's at TCU. Why- Gary, listen, if Gary Patterson is going to hire a Sonny Cumbie to run that kind of an offense, former Texas Tech quarterback. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Yeah, Nick Saban is if opening Nick up. Could do it. Yeah, Gabo. I mean, the one thing I, I think when we talk about Venables uh, to Texas Tech, he's coached with that type of offense now, yeah. defensively. Now he's had the type of recruits. It's easier when you're getting top five defense alignment there, and now you have to take over a Texas Tech team. From a defensive perspective, you're going up against Tom Herman. You're going up against Gary Patterson, if he's still there, a young Matt Rule in the landscape. Obviously, Ed Ogeron at LSU and Jimbo Fisher. So will he take that job remains to be seen. But if anybody can do it from a defensive perspective, you would think that it would be Brett Venables, uh, what he's done with that Clemson defense. Yeah, and, and the one thing I'll throw out, too, is when I look at the kind of big picture of the Big 12 within college football, you know, it makes me happy as, you know, we do this for a living, yeah. but we're also fans of the sport. It makes me happy that teams that play defense, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan Georgia, not a great year defensively, but, but, they're, but they're certainly right. not stiffs. 
I love the fact that teams that are competing for national championships still play defense, which makes me wonder if you're the Big 12, when does it happen? When do you get that team? Maybe it is Tom Herman. Maybe Tom can get just enough defensively to get them in that mix. But right now, as I look at it, Big 12 is going to have a very difficult time. It reminds me of the old Oregon days. Oregon will get you only so far with the Dennis Dixons and the Marcus Mariotas. But if you can't stop a team... And the other team's offense, can you win a national championship? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, that's, the, that's the, uh, the argument between the Big 12 and the SEC. Speed versus brawn in terms of interior offensive defensive line play. So we saw that matchup with Oklahoma and Georgia. Georgia made halftime adjustments. Once they figured it out, they really stifled Baker Mayfield in the second half of that matchup. Now, I just don't like the tackling. I mean, the kids from just the the traditional tackling. I mean, guys, arm tackling. How about safeties being out of position? Just being completely clueless in the backfield. The game is being taught differently. Big Will Greer fan, love Kyler Murray. I could throw that pass. I agree. I mean, some some of the completions last night that Will Greer made down the seam, the the Gary Jennings touchdown, it it was a pretty play, the 75-yarder. But... I mean, Jennings, yeah, Jennings was, there were about 80% of the quarterbacks in college football that would have completed that pass. I could have ran through the hole that Kennedy Brooks I ran know. through yesterday. I'm it not looks saying like a, anything. I mean, it, the hole was as wide as the It looks like an NBA down. All-Star game. I know. And, and that's it's, the it's issue the that coming, I have. And I agree with you. That's why today's games, yeah, the rivalry Mich- Michigan, games. Ohio State, yeah. brilliant. Bring yeah. it on. Alabama, Auburn, say what you will. They're going to be hitting in yeah. that ball game, and that's what you look at. And that's why when you watch yesterday's performance, best game, in my opinion, was that Virginia Tech-Virginia game because of the physicality on the offense and defense alliance. Still want to see that in college football. I want to see players wrap up into space. So we'll see how it plays out. I like Baylor, though, quickly again. Yeah, well, let's give our 12 o'clocks. For anybody who's just tuning in right now, our 12 o'clock picks. Uh, The entire staff, by the way, is all over Georgia Tech. Tech, Just, Just so you know. Joe and I love Georgia Tech. We think they they can keep this game close. Yellow Jackets have played very well, four straight wins, getting that running game cranking and getting just enough out of the defense that I think they could stay under that number. Uh, I like Florida uh, to take it to Florida State. And then your other best bets for 12 o'clock. I like Baylor. I think Baylor gets it done. I like Indiana uh, at 12 o'clock as well. So uh, and, and Gabe Georgia does Tech. as well. Yeah, yeah, and Michigan. And if I had to take one, I would take Michigan. I really would. I think for me, it is Michigan. They're not on the sheet, but at 12 o'clock, if I'm picking a favorite, I'm taking the Wolverines. I don't care that Urban and the crew are underdogs for the first now, time. I'm, in, I'm uh, with 50, you, Joe. I, games. I think now is the time for Michigan. This is I, it. Jim Harbaugh has this now. team cranking. He has the quarterback that he has needed in Shea Patterson. And the ground game that he covets with Karan Higdon and Chris Evans. He's got some talent on the outside, but listen, the name to keep in mind today at 12 o'clock is Don Brown, defensive coordinator for Michigan. Brilliant job year after year. I think, I, I don't say he suffocates Ohio State, but I think he confuses Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, today. well, I'm curious to see the first five or six minutes of, of that ball game. I really am, because I want to see if Ohio State comes out flat, and I want to see if Michigan comes out you know, ears pinned back and looks to dominate that matchup. First five minutes will be very critical in that matchup. When we come back, we'll be talking about Stanford and UCLA. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live from Studio 34.